Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, welcome along to the Wise Men Say. Hopefully people are still listening because people tend not to listen when we lose games. So again, like the question of the week thing, I'm probably talking to people who aren't listening and I don't, I don't know why that would never work, but there you go. Joined tonight by writer and author Andy Dawson. Hello. Good. You? Enjoying, well, good. enjoying watching Sun Under the Yeah, moment. it's fantastic. It's about as good as it gets. Yeah, well, we can't say we aren't used to it. We haven't been here before. Uh, George Colgan finally joins us from The Times, of course. Been uh, <laughs> enjoying the football, George. Just loving life. Yeah, loving life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's not Sunderland, it's Newcastle. It's it's perfect. Well, perfect synchronicity. Picked, picked up a little bit at least recently. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm Stephen Gorsliff, joined by Gareth Barker as always. Okay. Dive straight into this tonight because we are running late. Not that you need to know that. Um, Andy, how do you review the performance? Um, uh, generally, people think you know. I mean, some people are encouraged about it. You know, the real optimists saying, "Have we not gifted Arsenal two goals?" They could have played all night in the one of Scott, to be fair. So some people say against the Champions League side, that's all right. But then uh, I was going to say the cynic, but perhaps the realist would look at things and say we're starting to make mistakes now every game. Um, I think coming off the back of an 8-0 defeat at home against a team like Arsenal, I think it was a triumph, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 75% improvement, sure. Yeah, yeah, you you, you go into a match like that expecting to lose anyway. It's a disappointing, though, because as Gus keep saying himself you know you expect after a defeat like that concentration levels would be up and then obviously two goals where concentration yeah. will be the main thing you, main thing you're blaming on really yeah, lack of concentration totally i think the first 20 minutes or so i thought we looked all right and i thought we looked as if we were going to get over what happened the week before um but then you know once wes brown made that mistake and they got the first goal then um it was always going to be an uphill struggle after that the collective sigh and groan around the stadium when when yeah. he made that pass. Yeah, because, because we, we were all right first 20, 25 minutes, but we weren't great. We weren't creating a lot. Um, and once they had scored, it was it was always going to be, you know, can we keep the score line down? Are we going to get an equaliser? Chances where we weren't and we didn't. And then the uh, the second goal was just a kick in the teeth right at the end. There was that, there was that, sorry, I was going to say there was that there was that decent... 20 minutes in the second half as well with the crowd you know, a few tackles flew in a few yellow cards the crowd got up for it and it was noisy and it felt like something might something you know might yeah. happen then but I mean those, those two errors I mean it's they were as bad as anything at Southampton and the week before weren't they and we that is worrying we haven't seen that for a while either no. really, have we? I mean we haven't been you know great under Poyet by any stretch of imagination but those errors he did seem to iron that out when he first came didn't he yeah 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 I, th- I think there's a problem when if we Stroke the ball around at the back like we tend to do, and we're, we're, we're comfortable with playing it back to Manoni. There's always going to be kind of a margin for error, and uh, you know that happened a few times last season. And it seems to be creeping back in again. Mm. You need to be comfortable on the ball if you're going to play that way, and confidence is just shot at the minute. I think that's the, the issue with Brown, isn't it? I think he's just not. He hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't got. He just hasn't got the that 
edge of, that edge of quickness that he used to have maybe to get himself out of situations he's, he's always been casual and now when he's casual he gets caught there's I, a casual and there's what he done on Saturday <laughs> yeah. the thing is he controlled that he controlled that first ball pretty well I thought and then it's just that thing where he's, he looks like he's changed his mind halfway halfway through it but I, th- I do think that is a I think for both the goals there's a hangover from, from what happened at, at St Mary's in that that decision making in a split second it's it's compromised it's faulty that's where the doubt creeps in you try and change your mind well it's the one thing you can't do if you're a keeper or a defender mm. is change your mind halfway through trying to clear or you know, or, or, or pass not, back or whatever. And not at that level of the old no, cliche goals. Especially no. when you got like a world class striker, like well, a midfielder come striker in Sanchez, just about he was great, two well, yards away his, from his, you. His anticipation for both yeah. was brilliant. I mean, he ran to intercept that ball. He shouldn't. Have, I mean, he didn't need to do that. He ran to do it, and he, it was his movement that created the second one as well. Right, we're going to hear from Gus now on those mistakes. Try, I try, I try to talk to them. I try to make sure that we go a little bit more simple. I'm trying to make uh, you know the players understand the position, the ability of the position, when and how. Uh, but I think we, we need to agree that then, unfortunately, when it's individual, individual, when when it's a kick, when it's a pass, uh, that we cannot control it. We are no no playing PlayStation yet. First, I let them see it. And, Swallow it, if you can say it, and then during the week we will, we will talk about it and you see the reaction from there and, and what he thinks or why it happened or it's just an action of football. The PlayStation reference, he says, yet. I'm not sure what he means by yet. I, I think there must be some kind of development due where... Well, players are going to be eradicated from the game and managers just control it from the Gary never silent. brought that in, didn't he, by saying Louise looked like he was being controlled by yeah. a kid on the PlayStation. There's something afoot that we don't know about. <laughs> they, they get to play PlayStation when they get a good result. Maybe, maybe no, it is. allowed then. And that's the year. So the punishment is yeah. they can't play on it. But Gareth, I remember after the Crystal Palace game last season, uh, the term you used when you, when I spoke to you about it was it was a little bit relegation-y, which <laughs> is a great word because it, you know, everybody knows what that means. It sums it up. For the first time... I would say, well, no, because we nearly did get relegated <laughs> last season. That was going to be a stupid thing to say. You know what I mean? But we seem like we're back to there suddenly after after looking so so solid before Southampton. I think um, there's a couple of facets to that, isn't there? I think there's uh, the reaction to the errors from sort of outside the actual football, and then there's the football itself. And it's two games. It's like a microcosm. It's 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 been bad for the last two games, but it wasn't too bad before that. And now there's a situation where everyone's starting to panic because of the the magnitude of the defeat and then the manner of the defeat um, in bo- on both occasions, even though we didn't get slaughtered on, on Saturday. Um, but I think then the reaction from supporters and stuff is understandably negative. The manner of the defeat doesn't help that, and then it sort of snowballs into this crisis situation. I wouldn't say the performance on the pitch against Arsenal was a, a relegation-y performance. I think they were just missing, missing you know, quality, which... A lot of teams in the Premier League do, and there'll be plenty of teams who, you know, maybe don't make as uh, glaring errors as we did twice in one game at the weekend. But there'll, there'll, there'll be teams who make mistakes like Sunderland, and I still believe that Sunderland they'll be absolutely fine. But it's a more disappointing because Arsenal looks so average and so ordinary. If it, had Arsenal came and and Sanchez scored two sort of world class goals, do you think think people will be thinking about it differently? Oh, I don't think it's fair. It's like to say an opportunity that. missed a little. I don't bit, think it's fair to say Arsenal were average. I think. They had a lot of the ball, and you know they've got really good players. I mean, they're a far better side than Sunderland are, and they ever will be for the 
foreseeable probably 30 years so <laughs> um, so t- well that's the case on, isn't it but, 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 that, on, but that, is, uh, that is the case and that's where you need to bring perspective into the into the discussion I think and start looking at it it's not negative it's not being like oh like small time mentality or knowing your place or this sort of like Steve Bruce idea of having high expectations when you should be like have low expectations it's not about that it's just about the reality of the situation that's presented on the pitch and at the moment Sunderland haven't got there I mean you look at the bench as soon as you go a goal down like that, firstly, I mean, Gus is coming under pressure, and, you know, there is some fair criticism in there, but he's being criticised more for what he's saying than what he's doing on the pitch, to be honest. And then, on top of that, he's got the injuries, which, you know, we touch, we'll touch on later when I ask him about it, but, you know, he looks at the bench, what's he got? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll bring on out the door. I'll bring on who? I mean, what can he do to change? I mean, Wiggum, DME. I mean, to be honest, I'd be tempted never to play him ever again because I just don't <laughs> think he's bothered. Like he was the first one. I'd, Does it I'd, annoy you that he's got the, the power in the contract? Yeah, I'd level, I'd level, at, I'd, I'd, I'd level a criticism at him that he isn't trying. Um, and to be honest, um, on the base of the last two games, and he's shown no signs of signing that contract. You bring him on, and he was weak. And then you bring out the door on, and it's just bizarre because he's one of these players where you think this week, this is the week. This is the week where it's going to happen, and then he comes on. You think I'll stop thinking that. People still think that. Yeah, then, then it's like this competition winner appears and starts running <laughs> into areas where you think, "What's going on here?" Then he plays for America, and he's amazing. And then he plays to Sunderland, and he's just bizarre. And then, I mean, who else is he going to bring on? I mean, Kabar was on the bench last week. Mavrias is on the bench. He doesn't even seem to get up and have a warm up. I mean, the, the default changes. There's a reason these players aren't playing. Exactly, isn't? exactly. Yeah, and and, and, and there, there's there's a there's a wider thing which Poyet talked about after after the match, which is, you know, he, he I think he said seven players that played against Arsenal at home last season are no longer at the club. You can't keep you can't keep doing this. Well, the the, the problem is the club keep putting themselves in a position where they do have to do it, so they have no choice but to completely and utterly uh, start again, and they've and. It's it's difficult to 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 gel a team straight away. Now, what you have you have to hope is that moving forward, by the time next summer comes along, they're not having to do that, and that they're able to bring in one, two, three players who are going to improve the squad. But it feels like we've been saying this since mm-hmm. Sunderland came back into the Premier League. It's been eight years, and you can this or oh, this is the eighth season, mm-hmm. and you can justifiably ask, what is the point of Sunderland being in the Premier yeah. League? I think there's that, that there is a bit of discontent. Regarding that, you know, I think that's what exacerbates it. Are you just happy to just, you know, churn over in the Premier League and finish in the bottom eight, or like outside of the top three, but in the bottom eight every season? Um, and then it gets it gets boring, doesn't it? That, that's that's the thing, and people want a, a sign of improvement. You see other teams who've been in the Premier League for two minutes, like yeah, in the history, and they they get in Europe, they get in the cup finals, and we we haven't got that. I mean, short, I mean, and then everyone starts getting blamed. It's Short's fault. It's Burns' fault. I mean, in, in fairness, Ellis Short, how you know he's, he hasn't got he hasn't got a bottomless, bottomless pit of money. He gave a lot of money to managers before; they've wasted it essentially. Well, and, and, he's, he, and, and he's he's chased that by then making terrible decisions. If it's, yeah, if definitely. it's De Canio or if it's Defanti or whatever, and now you know the hope has to be that Congerton yeah. and uh, Poyer to the right to, but you know, there's I don't think there's going to be kind of a quick answer to that because no. it doesn't seem like a marriage made in heaven, does it? Let's be honest. I think if we have a bit of perspective, I think we've got to look back at the coming forward from the events of 2013, the summer then were horrific, and the fact that we're sitting here talking about the, the club still being in the Premier League is a bit of a miracle, yeah. to be quite honest, because yeah. we were in such a mess a year ago when Poyet turned up 
Um, you know, we had, we had a completely schizophrenic season last season. We we got to Wembley, um, which was you know a nice day out for all that we lost. Um, and I, I think talk of crisis again is is a bit um, a bit off because we had we had talk of crisis when we lost at Spurs mm. last season and then it's, managed it's, to turn it around. It's the effect of this eight 0 defeat, isn't it? It's hanging over. It's hanging. It's over overshadowing everything yeah, else. Me- yeah. Mentally, and you know, it's, yeah. it's making a difference, isn't it? The way fans think, the way they reflect on things. Because I've said yeah. before that game, we look fine, and obviously the players are affected by it because you could see that the confidence be- is down. Exactly. Before the, before the Southampton game, we'd lost one in the league all season. We we we'd drawn against Man United, we'd drawn against Tottenham. You know, decent results. Um, we looked decent at the back. It's just the Southampton thing is just a, a, a freak show, really. But there's also, I mean, there's also so say say someone who lost two 0 at Southampton, then lost two 0 to Arsenal. But we're in the bottom three. I think there is still that feeling around that. Oh, Christ, here we go again. There is that feeling about the club, and that's never that's never really disappeared. Or it has done, but for for very short period of times and last season was so traumatic that I think it's understandable that you would get that sinking feeling when you see that when you see that happen again yeah. you've got to get to the bottom of the league and that's when you start playing <laughs> apparently so maybe that's where we should be aiming for a couple of people have mentioned perspective but football fans having a sense of perspective that's never going to catch on I'm afraid um, <laughs> they need to snap out of it all Gareth quickly yeah um, it, it's just it's a, it's a funny one to gauge um it's the neg- it is the negativity ne- negativity of that eight nil that's uh, created the issue I think and um, yeah snapping out of it's one thing but I think it really really is hampered by the the situation with the squad being quite thin um, and he's losing well he's basically he lost his two probably most game changing players in in Jacarini and although we didn't see a lot of Alvarez that's what he's brought in for and then at the back you've got. Um, the injuries situation there um, so I mean Revier coming in fair enough there's but going to be a clamour for that isn't it? because people want change don't they now you mentioned we're going to talk about yeah. the attacking, attacking options in a little bit naturally Wes Brown's made a huge mistake here he was a fault for the equally a fault for the first goal against Southampton as well we've seen him do this before naturally you would people want him taken out the firing line because we have a new right back people don't really know if they're being honest much about him but mm. people are going to want that change Instinctively, aren't they? I think it'd be a fair assessment based on a number of games recently, though. I mean, Wes is a you know class player, isn't he? But he's just in, he's slightly in decline. I mean, he's, he came back. We wrote him off last season. He came back, but this time I think it's a little bit different. Um, and that's not a criticism. I mean, he's 35 and he's had like, really bad injury problems, and he, he's probably done well to stay fit for a long period. Really, based on on the situation when he was out for practice, it shouldn't careless. be a physical thing with yeah. Wes though. It should be about concentration and position and, and yeah. knowing what his job is really. Which you wouldn't yeah. think was down to his age. Or no. And it's uh, you know it's going to be uh, it's it's not a straightforward task just throwing somebody in um, who's not not played in the Premier League before. And he's also um, almost thirty five. And he's also <laughs> almost thirty five. And you know, Poyet was asked. Um, not long after the window closed, about bringing in free transfers, and he sort of he made the point unless it's one of those obvious ones who are available and that people would be you know <coughs> wanting to get. There is a reason why people don't have clubs at this point of the year. Now that's not I'm not I don't know enough about this this fellow to sort of to, to, to denigrate him. I'm certainly not doing that without seeing him play. But you know there's that there is that to balance that argument. Up with He's got too. a good pedigree, though, hasn't he, Revy? I mean, he was at. Um, PSG, sorry, Leon. He was at uh, Napoli. I know, but well, he he sort he managed <laughs> no, he to get. Remember he remember who she was. Yeah, still, yeah, yeah. Um, 
it was always a bit of mystifying. I think the Desena situation. It was more of a oh, he's signed for them. It was it was more a huh? sort of situation with with Desena when he signed for people like Liverpool and uh, and Napoli. But I think Revier's got a decent pedigree. He's played at a good level all the way through his career. So I mean, it might be it might turn out to be one of those signings that comes off, and it's like oh, that was a sort of a fluky bit of business, really. But he might be. Completely out of his depth, but you don't know how good Billy Jones was, Andy, doesn't it? Because it he, does. came, he came in and he changed the dynamic of that back four. He looked great. He got injured straight away, and then I'm not saying this is all down to him not playing, but you know, certainly an element of it, I think. Definitely. I mean, it was a big surprise that he came in and he was as good as he was. Um, with regards to Rivier, you don't know how much fit he's going to be. He hasn't played since end of last season. As I say, he's 34. Um, there's the whole thing about the the, the pace of the, the Premier League. Um, if he goes in next week at Crystal Palace, it's going to be a tough game for him. To, to, you know, as a baptism of fire sort of thing. Well, he'd be up against Balassi or Zaha, won't he? Probably. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's not an easy sort no, of game. No one wants that. Got, no. no. God. <laughs> Very uplifting podcast. Isn't it? This is worse than the, uh, the one after <laughs> the, uh, the, the Southampton. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. I think we were all just starstruck by Julio. Weren't we? um, <laughs> one area can't change things around greatly is the attacking areas. Now. If Fletcher's out, then Wickham surely goes back up front. Um, maybe not unless the Gareth shape his head. Not unless. I'd rather give. Because sees it like Gareth does, and then and then thinks that would you really? Definitely. Which is for the effort thing. Well, is that really not? Let's you? be honest. Well, four and a half. Danny Graham played for Sunderland for four and a half months and was cast out for whatever reason that was. Um, remember, De Canio got rid of him. So you know, I don't know. He's a terrific judgment of character. Um, so I don't know. Um, I just think at the moment. I don't think Danny Graham done anything on the pitch to deserve to be as castigated as he has, really. I think it became trendy to slag him off. He played in a system similar to this at Swansea, too. It was like he went down on O'Neill's ship, really, didn't he? Five million quid. Nobody was really twisting when we signed him. Everyone came round to the idea. Um, and he, he struggled in a team that was really struggling at the time. So I think I, I think if you look at his record and you look at Wickham's record, he scored twice as many Premier League goals as Conor Wickham. He's in, in in three and a half years. He's scored what five goals. Is it not like we're saying with the youth players? Or there must be a reason these players aren't playing. We, we don't see the trend. We I don't think see that's the different because stuff, because like Graham played in the Premier League for a season for Swansea and scored thirteen goals. So I'm not I'm not saying he's the answer to the long term problem. I'm just saying, I mean, if Gus is saying the squad's thin, then you've got to consider the options that are in the squad outside of the players that are failing regularly. And to be honest. Aside from the Stoke game, you look at Fletcher and you look at Wickham, and they haven't been at it for the entire season. So, and then you bring out the door in the equation, and then you, you know, cry yourself to sleep. At night. <laughs> <laughs> so, why not Danny Graham? I'm just saying. I mean, you're normally the positive one who's talking yeah, me around. I'm just saying that though. as a collective three, and I mean Fletcher might be injured, so I mean Graham's going to have to come back into the reckoning in some capacity, unless he's going to go with just out the door. Did I hear somebody say he was going out and long? I heard the word Brentford, Brentford being mentioned. Yeah, yeah, he probably will. So he's probably gone now and during this uh, conversation. So, I mean, th- but that's that isn't that bizarre. I mean, why would you strengthen, weaken your squad further? I mean, we let I know Roberge wasn't the world beater, but we let him go. I mean, we're, and we're thin at the back. The, you know, we're letting players go out on loan, and we haven't got any any players left. I mean, you're given no no squad number for Cabral, and then you you let. Roberge go and, and, and potentially Graham go have been in match day squads and then I don't know who, who you're replacing them with it, it, it doesn't seem to make logical sense to me I mentioned earlier on um, George 
the, how the bench doesn't look strong suddenly. That was something we were praising early on the season. I'm thinking specifically players like Jack Arini, um and Alvarez, players who, when you're missing a little bit of a spark, he could possibly turn to, and yeah. it must be frustrating that he doesn't have that. Well, I mean, because those two are the, really the the players who offer variation, really, aren't they? And you would want, um, you know, the other creative players, uh, you know, nominally people like Johnson or whatever, to A, have that competition and um, B, have replacements if they're not playing well. And, you know, it's the sort of Adam, not wishing to change the subject here because I don't mean to, but this, the kind of Adam Johnson equation is, is one that kind of fascinates us. There's that he was brought, he was brought to be a game changer for the, not just for the team, but for the whole club. It seems that when Sunderland do this, it doesn't happen now. Um, it's a mystery. Well, we've, you know, there's obviously, you know, Rodwell, Rodwell was the, who I'm sure we'll come on to talk about, but was the summer signature signing. He's the one that, you know, he, the club were pushing him. He's a future England captain. Um, we've got him. We can get players like this. We're not going to buy many of them this summer, but this is where we're going. This is the idea of it, and it's just not happening. I yeah. completely changed the subject. No, that's I fine. I, 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 I want to talk about the next one. We come back first. We'll hear Gareth ask us about the uh, lack of attacking options. There's a lot of uh, talk about injuries at the back last week, but it's starting to sort of take us to all the injuries in the forward areas when you haven't got those game changes in Alvarez and Jacarini to bring on, and then you've got. A, Reshift stuff, yeah, especially when you've got a good period in the second half when you could bring those in. Look, I, I thank you for the question, but I think he knows me well. I uh, injuries is part of football, and you need if you start the season thinking you're going to have your 23, 25 minute squad all the time, you're very naive. That they, you're going to be lucky to lose uh, three subs and no three starters, you're very naive. That's part of the game, and that's what the squad needs to be. Well balanced with the right numbers, with the right quality, you cope with that. And if we don't, then we made, we made a mistake, and that was going to be seen in the next few games. Gareth, I made your duty for Sunday, and uh, um, I want to talk about that Rodwell point you made, then George, because it kind of links to what Gus was saying. Now we're talking about which players you bring in. He's just said himself, you need the right balance. Now we've had this debate previously, and I'm going to open it back up. We've all agreed it's a long-term project, as you've just said as well. Five-year deal, patience, an element of a level of patience is required, I think. However. I've put it to people before. Can a club like Sunderland make an investment, you know, blow practically all their entire transfer budget on potential? Are Sunderland in a position to do that? Do, do Sunderland need to spend 10 million quid on a player who's going to come well, in and improve the team straight away? Mr. Wickham? Yeah, but that's that's before I'm talking about the summer. Well, I, summer I mean, con. I don't think they were. I don't think they thought they were buying potential. I think they were. I think they thought they were buying a ready-made player yeah. who's still young and who has been, you know, who's had who's had fitness problems or you know a bit of fitness problems hasn't been picked but that you know he was an England international played a year before Brazil didn't he and you know so it's not like he's a raw talent um, I, I don't think that's what they thought I thought they were buying you know I think they thought they were buying someone who, who could go on and captain England now yeah. he, he still might do but he certainly hasn't had the impact that they wanted and the team needed um, you know and I I absolutely take the point about buying buying the one player and leaving the rest of the squad to, you know, to be built on scraps, as it were, they've had. I mean, it's a very difficult position that Lee Congerton's been in, in that he's had very little money to spend, and he's had to, you know, he's had to kind of completely restock, you know, restock it. It's not quite starting and get starting from scratch, but it's not far, not far from it. Now, whether he's done a good job or not, you know, time will time time will tell on that. But. You know what they want. What he has said is that it's not just about one window; it's about two windows, it's about three windows, it's about four windows, and then at the end of that, 
hopefully the squad's in a position where there are assets, where the age is good, where you've got good players, and you can start the process of um, you know being self-sufficient. There's no, I mean, there's very few assets in that squad who are worth more yeah, than what they absolutely. signed for, if any. Have you changed your stance on Rodwell, Gareth? I just think you've got to keep playing him. You just got to keep. Is he playing the right him. player? This is not a personal attack on him. No, I, ju- I just he's think decent players. He what way now? Um, I, I think uh, he's struggling in the area he's playing, and in, in, in that top of the tr- midfield triangle, um, I'd be tempted to play him deeper to get him on the ball more, because he spends so much of his time chasing after, chasing after stuff and not getting there. I just think in that position, when when we don't have a lot of the ball in the opposition half, he he's sort of a bit wasted because he's not picking it up, and I think he's a good. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Carrier of the ball, we saw that down at Burnley. He started to do some good stuff before he went off. And if he gets the ball in deeper areas, he's going to be on it more. I wouldn't be adverse to, to maybe doing that. But Should the recruitment team not have a new normal? Well, but it's a, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, again, it's, he's had what nine games for the club, five-year deal, like you say. If they sign a player who's better than Rodwell on loan and spend that money elsewhere, they might have wasted that money elsewhere. They they buy two players for that money, or well, they haven't spent the budget, or you know, they've they've tried to penny pinch again and they're trying to spread that large amount of money among too many players and then we've got another good player on loan who's going to come and do well and then leave at the end of the season. You can't win. They've tried to buy a player who, like you were saying, George has got this, you know, potential to play for England long term. I wouldn't say, you know, England captain, but definitely potential to play for England long term. And, uh, you know, he's there for five years. So what do you want? Just a question, Andy, I, I, I have is... He signed Liam Bridcutt to play a certain role. Now, I don't. I'm not sure he would have done that had he knew Catamore was going to sort of turn his form around and, and produce the kind of form he's producing now. But it adds to a problem, doesn't it? Where fans look at this player, Bridcutt sitting on the bench, and think, "Well, he isn't an impact player. He isn't going to come on and change a game." And Rodwell is now sort of in a similar bracket. He's under a similar sort of umbrella as that. And you know, it just begs the question: Should should they have done more to try and find a, a maybe a player with more purpose? Maybe John Joe Shelby. Would be perfect 
for that midfield. Yeah, possibly. I, I think with Rodwell, I think we need to give him time because he has, he's hardly played in the last two years. Um, you know, he's probably forgotten how to play football to some extent. Um, it's going to take a few months for him to get back into the swing of it. But like you said, we, we could have gone out. We could have bought a five million pound midfielder and a five million pound striker that wouldn't have fit the bill. Wouldn't have been good enough. And would be would be like you say accusing the club of penny pinching again. But I think I think Rodwell's got enough potential to be, you know, the kind of player you can build a team around. Mm. But it it, do, it does need time. I I, I agree, and I, I I haven't you know sort of brought this up to try and. Um, I mean, I, know, I don't want people to think I'm I, needlessly criticising Rodwell because I'm not. Sub- I just think if yeah, if we were sitting mid table and these results weren't happening, you would be more inclined to say, OK, just give them, give them a little bit of time, but well, you, need, you need players to start leading by example on the pitch, don't you? The two points from mid-table, that's a ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, a Van Arnold shot that hits the inside of the post and comes out against Burnley, or hits the inside of the post and goes in against Burnley, is the difference between being 13th and being bottom three. That's the stage of the season you're at. Um, <laughs> I just don't think there's any, any need there. Sort of rip it up and stuff. I said football fans don't have perspective. Though. Yeah, but on the subject of Bridcut, though, I mean, I feel a bit sorry for him in a way because I think at the time I could understand why Gus brought him in, and now it's the, the, it's progressed so quickly in six months, maybe to the stage where he's not the kind of player who we need at all. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in January, to be honest. If we could get sort of fee from how much would he get from two million quid? He looked for the same. That was two and a half. Was that paid mm, for? Can't remember. Yeah, something like that. I mean, how, how much? Victim of circumstance, Liam Brinkley, yeah. isn't he? It's a shame in, in a way, but <coughs> it's just the way things are at the moment, isn't it? He's, he's not. He's not going to get close to that side, is he? Well, right. should we be letting players go because of the injury crisis? Exactly. Well, well Callum yeah. on four yellow cards as well, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. So. And on, on on Rodwell, how much did he cost? Ten. Ten, million? Ten rising. Ten. And how much did Sunderland spend in the summer? Fourteen-ish. So yeah, Van Arnold. So off, perhaps. I mean, so the point is, I, I mean, he was the one. So I mean, he was the one that they invested in. He was the one that they said this I is agree, the, yeah. this is the statement. And so it's very disappointing that he's not done what they wanted him to. And I think it stands out. That's I think are, it stands out because of it. Sort of and you also think well. you also think you know who else did they want who didn't want to come? There would have been. I bet you there was players apart. I mean, obviously the B word who would try and get through a week without mentioning I don't think we mentioned him in a couple of weeks um, but uh, yeah I think there may have been other players in the mix that they wanted um, that they couldn't get you don't know lack of attack and drive from the midfield starting to put more pressure on the wingers they're delivering what do you think about Buckley he seems to be you use the term the Marmite player yeah. thing I, I I, I, I'll be honest views are very polarising from people yeah. I speak to people I have a like you say, I love him or hate him. Yeah, I thought he played all right on at the weekend. I thought he was probably our biggest threat. But you speak to South Sports somebody else after the game, they were saying he was absolutely garbage. So I guess it depends. Well, people I was sitting next to at the game on Saturday, Andy, one on the left of me thought he had a great game, <laughs> one on the right of me thought he had a shocker. That's genuine as well. So where are you with it? There you are, then Marmite player, isn't he? Um, I'm not that. Um against him really I think I think he, he, he gets forward he gets involved um, he, he can win free kicks in and around the box um, he looks like he plays with some, some purpose I've seen I've definitely seen worse players playing in that position <laughs> for us um, pound for pound I think he's better than Johnson because for me Johnson has only ever delivered kind of 75% of what you want from him consistency wise um, Buckley gets back in the Inter- situation interestingly me. I love Marmite but I don't have a strong opinion <laughs> on Noel Buckley yeah, <laughs> that's it. But I think, well, then, as well, just what you said there, though, we do need a bit more um, penetration from the centre of midfield. 
we need someone who's going to get in the box and get on the end of things. But that, that has not going to affect all over because even I mean we keep saying the likes of Johnson would be dangerous when they receive the ball high up the field and we just don't have the drive for those players to receive the ball high up the field. That's the way it seems at the minute. Again, that might be down to confidence. But they did it at Swansea against Swansea. They did it against Stoke and then international break and then he come back and do what they did. So um, could we blame Roy Hodgson for this as yeah, well? Yeah, I think it's probably, well not just Roy Hodgson, every international manager in the world. <laughs> Sepp Blatter, we'll just blame yeah, Sepp, Sepp Blatter. Blatter for everything. I kind of want Andy to sort of listen to some of those wingers who, who, who <laughs> are saying that are worse. Sam Yeson and people like that. God, how long have you got? Terry, <laughs> Terry Cook. T- yeah. Peter Beagrie was good, wasn't he, in the four games he played? That was only about 10 or 11, I think, when he played. Uh, probably, we've had loads of rubbish players in numerous positions. It would be unfair <laughs> to try and pick a, the worst one in it'll one be, of them. It would be unfair question to the single week. 20 or 30. Yeah, would question of the week next week list some rubbish wingers who's played for some of them. Yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, Kevin Kevin Hooper, was it? Remember? Well, he never barely kicked the ball. Remember, got him on loan yeah, from Wolves. I don't even know. Under Mick was. McCarthy, got him on loan. I think he was a Cardiff. I can't remember much of the Mick McCarthy era because I was drunk. Just trying to just <laughs> trying to just block it all out. I'm afraid uh, you know, it didn't do it for me, Mick. Um, I don't think he listens. I think he is. <laughs> right. I kind of want to end on a positive if we can because this has been the most downbeat podcast I think we've ever had. <laughs> um, Van Arnold was good again, Andy. He was, yeah. Um, it's, f- find of the season so far. So far, along with Billy Jones, I think. But it, it's good to see full-backs that can get forward and, and do stuff. Um, it's just good to see full-backs. It's good, yeah. <laughs> it's good to see Left-back, uh, yeah. Uh, full-back yeah. get across the halfway line. Yeah, he, he has been. He's, he's been good. I, I, again, I, I'm trying to be more optimistic than than, than I, I seem like I am because we're not that far off and we're, we're not doing that badly. It's just the whole 8-0 thing is just hanging mm. over everyone's heads and uh, you know if we go if we go to Crystal Palace next week and you know win 2-0 everyone will be happy again wondering what all the fuss was about yeah you've been impressed with Van Arnold George yeah I have yeah um, obviously he wasn't wasn't first choice for the for the position Alonso did really well last season I'm sure a lot of people would have been um, sort of disappointed he didn't come back but um, for the price he was, he's been he's been an absolute snip, and that's you know that we were talking before about the model about what they're having to try to do. Then that's you know that's a that's a good example of it working um, so far, obviously. And he's, an, one he's another player. Who can, <laughs> he's another one who can who can pros- possibly get better once he gets some games under his belt as well, like Rodwell. I mean, in the two fullbacks as well. I mean, there's going to be concerns over Jones. I mean, he came as a with the injury prone tag, and he's been injured relatively long term twice since he's been here so I mean that's not a really great start um, and the medical team to be fair to them have uh, like under par yet we've had, we haven't had very many injuries until the last sort of few months um, so maybe that eventually um, they, can, they can get him right but they've got two players of a good age you know they're not the, you know the mid 20s so I mean and they're, and they're on permanent deals so that's that's not bad I remember when Niall Quinn said no storm was going to go unturned regarding why all the Sunderland players were getting injured and then didn't they conclude that one physio had to speak to another physio directly or something and that, that was what I came up with. Was it that was like a massive shake-up. Like, can you remember when Peter Reid um, appointed Adrian Heath as first-team coach because he'd played in Spain in the Spanish Division 2 for a year or something and we were getting all these ridiculous quotes about how they like to keep the ball in Spain and that, that was... Ahead of his time there, wasn't he? <laughs> well, I, the, the Spanish football wasn't what I think was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so attempted to we keep, the, the, keep the ball that season was to you know keep kicking off. We had the ball in the centre spot a lot. Mm. Um, yeah, that was strange. We can go, but this is good, isn't it? 
It's, look how bad it is now. It isn't that bad. <laughs> but remember when it was really bad then. Let's talk about that. Might make yourself feel better, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we can't, before we finish, we can't really um, ignore the Manoni um, situation. Gus said, George, in the press conference last week, I don't like to drop goalkeepers after a bad game. Is he made for a rod for his own back there? Or? What he actually said, sorry, was, I don't drop keepers after one bad game. Yeah, exactly. Two. So He said two bad games. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it, yeah. it's a it's a it's a very delicate. I think one. someone's mistyped that because I was there when he said it. I mean, Mano, you know, Manoni did great last season. Um, by all accounts, he's a he's a kind of quite sensitive character. I think he was, um, yeah, you know, not surprised. But when they brought in Pantilimon, I think they had to handle that kind of quite carefully with him. Um, and if he does get taken out, then you know that could have a big effect on his on his confidence. However. Um, you have to say also that it might be getting to the point where it's the kindest kindest thing to do. Um, and if they brought someone in from from Man City and brought him in um, effectively to challenge him, then uh, well, he's within his rights to call the manager now and say, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you brought yeah. me in a challenge. I should be playing now. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's you know, I think that's fair enough. I think there does need to. I think for for me, the 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 Southampton thing, however you look at it. The 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 worrying thing for me is that there's a loss of momentum now at the start of the season. I think there was a bit of that, and um, uh, it's important somewhere somehow to try and get that back. And I think there does need to be a change. I mean, there aren't many changes available to to Gus in the squad, but that is one. Okay, I'd keep him in. Would you? I would keep him in as well because because I think that the blame for that mistake on Saturday was as much Buckley as it was his. I don't think he was expecting the pass back to him. No, it was a dreadful from, pass. From so but deep into the penalty area. But, but it, but it, it was a 75-25 for the keeper personally. It was the same thing with Brown. He had a split. He, he changed his mind. I mean, or or he, he just got stuck under him. I don't know which one, which one of the two. But the first thing you do is you just have to try and get rid of it. I mean, it was. A, I, I agree. I think it was a dreadful pass, um, a proper hospital pass. But um, there was, you know, there was a synapse missing in that in that. In that decision-making process, same with Brown. I mean, Buckley gets back to defend there, and then he goes and does that. He's probably thinking, oh, "I've done well there. I've got an oh no." It's like what we said yeah. to Michael Proctor last week about yeah. his own goals, getting back in the box to defend and Doing the ball that. bouncing off him, <laughs> flying in. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, we're going to stop depressing people now, and we're going to come back and do the question of the week. So the question of the week this week um, we had a prize courtesy game Washington and I very kindly donated a copy of uh, FIFA 15 on the Xbox One. George um, Andy, you need to listen to this because you're going to help us pick a winner. Yeah, so I sort of try to narrow the answers down to the best ones. The rules were, by the way, that we aren't going to con at you if you've won. You've got to be listening to win. We're not just going to give copies of FIFA 15 willy-nilly, right? Secondly, you've got to be following us on Twitter. And thirdly, you have to be following Game Washington. So once I've drawn the winner, or the winner's been decided, I might even check because on Twitter to see if you're following. And if you haven't, sod yeah. So the answers: Chris Dixon um, suggested Sean Cunningham, the player Jordan Henderson could have been. Uh, Tom Wilcox suggested Cabral, just to prove he's still alive, even though he was on the bench last week. David Druid said Wes Brown because his defending yesterday on Saturday was like mine on FIFA when my controller runs out of battery. Uh, Mark Triggs it's keeping in there in line with the yeah yeah the theme yeah. Uh, Mark Triggs uh, said uh, Super Kev on the box Guy Gillian Gatey commentating and Sean Thornton with the tunes um, Neil Morgan 
Only the high cheekbones of blonde locks of Sebastian Bengt Ulf Larsen <laughs> are worthy of being on the cover. <laughs> Difficult to argue with that. Graham Mooney said pretty sure the entire first team from the Southampton game are on the box for FIFA 08. Good effort, though. I enjoyed that sadistically. Michael Argley says Lee Catamull just well he said because of the waist high shorts but you know there isn't really the reason not to have him on the box <laughs> why, why would that make you go on the box just I don't know <laughs> <laughs> or is that just qualify you for it's just qualify. anything yeah it is yeah alright Jamie H said Danny Graham he's been in our books and done nothing for so long he might as well feature on games or maybe do something with his spare time so there were the answers not on Facebook was I not? Pathetic. <laughs> on your behalf. <laughs> Twitter is better than Facebook, to be fair, isn't it? Let's be honest. For stuff like this, generally, yeah. Yeah, just generally, though. Yeah, I would agree with yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any standout or anything? So, yeah, that's one in the eye for Facebook. For me, um, I would probably go with the Seb Larson one for the aesthetic point of view. If you want people to buy the game, get mm. someone beautiful on the front. And it was impressive that he put his middle names in. Mm, Otherwise, no. are those his middle names? Apparently, I hope check. so. I hope it's not some Swedish swearing. For me, for me, I would have Milton Nunes on there because he could have a life-size version of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Andy, but you can't win, I'm afraid. I don't follow game Washington, so... I'm <laughs> <laughs> and, I've, and I've already got the game, so... Immediately disqualified. Yeah. Yeah. Any you're thinking of, George? No, I'm happy to, I'm happy to, um, to go along with the ma- majority. Gar was going to smile because he loves Lars anyway. Well, I like, so I like the last one. You I thought like the, uh, anyway, like the West Brown one. I quite like the West Brown one. It was clever. The, con- the FIFA con- yeah the controller yeah. dying but if everyone's going to go with nah, I, said I probably would have went for that one actually just to like mix things up a little bit if everyone's going to go with Seb then who am I I just said I probably would have went with the Wes Brown one to mix things up a bit so, we've got so I'm just trying to dramatise things so you can have the deciding vote right. it's like the X Factor yes it? It, goes well, to, it goes to deadlock if you, if you decide too, it, it um, would, well, it's like the X Factor without the massive twattishness <laughs> 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 well, now I'm going to have to edit that out it'll <laughs> be fine mm, um, yeah so um yeah, it's not true anyway because Gareth's here. Sorry. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't win anything. <laughs> uh, I think they should give it to David Druid because he. I like the was. I like the reference to the actual game itself within the answer, and it was topical. Does so anyone can say Seb Larson. Anyone can say Lee Catamore wears exactly, really shorts. Exactly, he's thought about that, he's constructed it, and uh, I enjoy it. So well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for Lee Catamore's high shorts, just to really mess things up. Well, you, you, we, we, that's well, actually, ideal. Actually, that does mess things up, yeah, it makes it yeah. easier, because no, it means it's 2-1-1 one, one on different uh, things. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> clearly a Facebook user. <laughs> so, anyway, so yes, David Druitt, you've won the game, so I hope you are following us and following Game Watch. Getting an unfollow from Neil Morgan now, I think. Yeah, so, well, you know, maybe, I think we might be, I don't know yet, but we might be doing a, a Pro Evo thing with Game Washington, so keep an eye out for that. Th- it's very good this year, actually, if you know that sort around. of thing, so that's it. Okay, well, you can turn off now if you don't like the flat, remember that's the drill now, we'll put it right at the end. I'd like to thank my guests for coming on, George Colgan and Andy Dawson. Gareth as well, as always. He's not really uh, one of those. Right, thanks for listening. One of those. Last week on The Flat, an over-enthusiastic Niall Quinn was too much for Alan and Steve and lasted just days. Now, not only are they struggling to find a flatmate, but they're struggling at their respective football clubs. With Newcastle United and Hull City battling relegation, the boys decide that they may as well kill two birds with one stone. 
the team from the Football League show might provide a long-term solution both on and off the pitch. Welcome to the Football League show Flat Hunt edition with me, Manish Basin, and as always, Steve Claridge. Say hello, Steve. Tonight we're down on the quayside in Newcastle in what proves to be a fantastic flat hunt. Three blocks, three lifts, five bin rooms, 157 apartments across eight floors means this week's show is unmissable. And of course, up at the prospective flat, we have Clem. Clem. Well, Manish, here I am outside the flat of Newcastle United's Alan Pardew and Hull City's Steve Bruce, who have been living together for approximately a month. We'll be going inside the flat to find out about Steve's unusual pie storage formations and why Alan lies in his bed upside down. Thanks, Clem. Any early thoughts, Steve? The Football League show team head up to the flat to begin discussions with Alan and Steve. Clem, Steve, Manish, come in. Make yourselves at home. You'll always be welcome in our place. We're not the type to hound guests out, that's for sure. What a great flat. Three bedrooms, one bathroom, one ensuite, three reception rooms, and of course, as always, I'd be delighted to be joined in my room by Steve Claridge. We'll happily share the bed. And I'm over here on the sofa with Alan Pardew. Now, Alan, this is where I'll be staying. I've heard you're quite partial to a night on the sofa yourself. Why don't you tell me all about that? Well... Sometimes the bed can be a bit uncomfortable. You know I won't get a proper night's sleep, then I'm tired and struggling for the next day. Sometimes, if you have a bed night on the Thursday, then I'll be struggling to recover on the Sunday. I've even suffered a couple of injuries from the bed. I was struggling with a cough, I had a back and a neck one week, and I wasn't available for the weekend. And I can afford a better bed. Sometimes I have to go with a sofa. Well, I hope I won't be disturbed by you in the night, Alan. This is my domain. Unless you're partial to a snuggle. That's great banter, Clem, you know. Exactly what we've been looking for. You've lifted the place already, that's for sure. I think this is going to be the ideal arrangement. Absolutely. Steve Bruce is naturally delighted with the situation, as it gives him the chance to indulge in his greatest weakness, aside from sausage rolls. Well, Steve, I'm so pleased you've chosen to come up to the flat for a chat. You're looking well. You're a strong boy, and I could do with a lad of your stature and experience to accompany the other boys up front, that's for sure. Oh! What? I think you'd really work with the other eleven or twelve strikers we've got on our books, especially Nikitsa and Shane. Absolutely. And now you boys are moving in, it frees up a bit of cash, you know. So I'd like to offer you a hefty signing-on fee for your services, and a six-year deal at about fifty grand a week. Okay, well... Maybe you'd like to sleep on it, and we'll talk in the morning. You'd be an outstanding addition to the squad, no doubt about it. <laughs> Although we didn't think it was possible, an even more confused Claridge heads to bed than will over Steve's offer. The lad's bed down for the evening, but Alan is in for a difficult night. <laughs> Whoa, what's that noise? I'm going to be tired and straggling in the morning without a proper sleep. Is is that a ghost? Last thing I need is a haunting on top of everything else. I'm going to be straggling tomorrow. I'm going to have to bring in some sort of paranormal expert on a budget. The accoras of this world are just too expensive. I'm calling Graham Carr in the morning. 
Until then, I'll have to sort it myself. Hello? Is there anybody there? It appears the noises are coming from the bathroom. Alan goes to investigate. Who's in there? I'm coming in. Oh, it's you. Can you shut your noise, you stupid old striker? I'm trying to get some kip. I'll be struggling and tired tomorrow, and I might end up nutting someone. I can't have that again. Not after last time. After Alan's misunderstanding with Claridge, he's having doubts about the Football League show team's future in the flat. Although the incident was not paranormal, it was ultimately more disturbing than anything of that nature. With no sofa to sleep on, and the image of the former Leicester striker, trousers around his ankles, bog roll in hand, wailing on that toilet forever emblazoned in his memory, it would be unlikely that Alan would ever sleep again. But as it turns out, he may not have to make the decision himself. Well, what a great flat visit that was. Two meals, three bathroom visits, one shower, and eight hours sleep. I'd like to thank Steve Claridge again for joining me as always. <gasps> Clem, where will we be next week? Well, next week I'll be spending the night on a Zed bed at Stan Turden's house, and he'll be telling me all about his world-famous mustard and matchstick collection. Whoa, boys, what's going on here? I thought we'd found the perfect match. I can't believe you're going to stab me in the back already. Absolutely. We'll see you on the Football League show. Flat hunt next week. Bye for now. Well, I don't believe it. Not even a word of thanks from the lads. Let's be honest, I'd expect better. But, after the way I've been treated in my career, hounded out and what not, it leaves a bitter taste. We've got our backsides kicked once again. We're just desperate for a bit of luck, that's for sure. Alan, you're a burly. They've only done a runner. Unbelievable. Out of the way, Steve. I've got my sofa back. <sighs> it sticks in the throat like a stale pasty. Disgraceful. Shut your noise. I'm tired. Charming, that. Kick me when I'm down, why don't you? It's not new to me, let me tell you that. Absolutely. Will Steve and Alan ever find the balance that they're looking for? Either way, it looks as though their days on the quayside are numbered. Is the Geordie dream about to die? Find out next week on The Flat. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.